and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Today we are kicking off a new series that we are titling, We Are Better Together. And we have done a series similar to this before, but not in this context. Um, We are better together. It's one of our core values. Um, Another one of our core values is that we set the tone. And so I'm going to set the tone right now, and I'm going to ask you guys for this series, and we'll even take it into November, maybe the rest of the year. But we're asking all these seers that whenever you are hanging out with friends, family, whoever, um, and, and a lot of us were on social media, when you post a picture, we're asking every single person, would you hashtag DC better together? And then you can tag uh, uh, Destiny Church, Republic, if you are watching from our Marshfield campus, um, you can you can tag Marshfield on Facebook or Instagram. So I'm going to set the tone, and I'm going to actually get a picture, and um, we're going to do this. Paxton, come up here, would you? Come on, bud. Come on, give it up for Paxton. Usually I let people know if I'm going to do something crazy like this. Come on, right here. We're going to get... Oh, i got to flip my camera around. Oh, that's a dessert that my dog ate last night. <laughs> Come on. Okay, you ready? Yep. One, two, three. Perfect. Right. I'm going to post that right after service. So, hey, it's that easy. Hashtag DC better together. We would love for you to join this. We're going to try to put together a video at the end of this. And uh, because it's important, not only community, but today we're actually going to be talking through this series about unity. Unity. I don't believe we've ever done a series on unity and what that means in the body of Christ. Unity is what we're talking about. As you read through the Gospels and as you read through Paul's letters in the New Testament, this idea of unity is everywhere. It's everywhere. The Bible tells us over and over that we as believers need to be united in thought, and in purpose. The unity of believers should be, listen to this, the unity of believers should be one of the most attractive and productive qualities of the church. We thought it was worth, just because of that, we thought it was worth to dedicate a whole series on unity and what it Means And one of the greatest passages related to this topic, and it's interesting, Pastor Steve referenced it, is found in John chapter 17. And if you follow along on your Bible app, version, if you have the Bible app, um, you can go to version. All the notes are right there. All the scriptures are there. And you can, actually, um, you can actually take your own notes within that. All you do is go to the Bible app, click on more, and then click on events. And if your locations are enabled, it will automatically pull up Destiny Church. So we'd love for you to do that. But before I read John 17 in this passage, I want to kind of give you, I want to kind of set this up for you. Jesus is at the end, near the end of his life. And he's washed the disciples' feet, you know, which was not done by a rabbi. It was not done by somebody who 
carried the mantle of Jesus. In fact, foot washing was done by the lowest servant. That, that, is, that, is the, that was the culture. But remember, kingdom culture is different. You know, to, to be first, you got to become last. I mean, it's, that's, that's how the kingdom of God works. Jesus sits down with his disciples, and he begins to share that they are going to betray him, and that they are, some of them are going to deny him. And it's, it's, it's almost if in, in John 17, just keep this in mind, he is near the end of his life. He is getting ready to be arrested. And I think Jesus saved some of his best teaching for last. It's like he knows that these are his final moments with his disciples sitting at a table. You can almost hear the passion in his voice, a different intensity. And I wonder if he thought, man, they're still not getting it. They're still not getting it. I mean, just a few moments ago, they were arguing on who, who was the best because they didn't want to be the one to have to wash each other's feet. And that's when Jesus blew them away and put a towel on and started washing their feet. You know, foot washing then was a necessity because they didn't, you know, they weren't, they weren't kicking Nikes like we are. They weren't, they weren't wearing, you know, it was open toe sandals, no, no asphalt, no concrete. It was dirt. I mean, it, that was just part of the culture. I wonder if he, Jesus was thinking, man, I've been teaching them for, for three years and they're still, they're still arguing. They're still bickering. Uh, um, um, wh- when are they going to get it? Jesus is ready to entrust his disciples to tell his story to the rest of the world. He's getting ready to be executed. And his heart is heavy for the world. But yet he wants to make sure that his disciples are prepared and they understand how important this calling is. And so he begins what many would acknowledge as his final disclosure. John chapter 17, he references earlier that he's the way, the truth, the life. Uh, He references that that he is the vine, we are the branches, and we need to remain in him, and he in us. He discusses a chapter before, he talks about the Holy Spirit, about how the, the, the Holy Spirit can't come unless I go. He's preparing his disciples for his departure. And after saying all of this, these things, maybe the disciples, maybe they were weeping because they were confused. They didn't understand. Because they're like, we're, we're never going to let that happen to you, Jesus. We're never going to let them take you. And Jesus looks up to heaven and he begins to pray. And here's part of that prayer. So John chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 13. This is not Jesus talking to the disciples. This is actually Jesus praying to the Father. He says, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they'd be filled with joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. 
And he's praying again to the Father, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I want you to catch this. Verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me. That's us. He says, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world would believe you sent me. Another translation of verse 21 from the CEV, Jesus says, I want them all to be one with each other, just as I am with you and you are one with me. I also want them to be one with us. Then, everybody say that word, then. Then the people of this world will believe that you sent me. In other words, when we become united, then they'll believe that you sent me. I have given them, verse 22, I have given them the glory you have given, you have given me so that they may, may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, listen to this, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Church, our unity is telling the story of Jesus to the world. When I was a kid, when we would share Jesus, we did a lot of, the old word was witnessing. And our youth pastor would take us and we would go and we would witness, we would tell people about Jesus. And man, I was scared to death because I didn't want, you know, walking down the street or walking in the mall, that's, that's intimidating as a 14-year-old kid to stop somebody and what do you say? How do you, how do you go into that? I mean, it was, it was scary, but that's how we did it. We used to hand out, anybody, any, any, any old church people used to hand out tracks? Remember those? Those little, those, the, those little publications and they would tell the story of Jesus. We would hand those out. And it was, it was kind of scary. And that's important. That's important that we share our story with those who don't know Jesus. It's important that we share our story with our coworkers and our friends, our family that don't know the Lord. That's so important. But the absolute, listen to me, the absolute greatest thing that we could do to share Jesus with the world, to share His love and grace for us, is for us to be united. Outreaches are great. Giving away food's great. One sole purpose, giving a pair of shoes to a kid is wonderful. Easter egg hunt is great. Everything that we do in Africa, great. All of these outreaches, when we give baskets to the teachers, anything that we do through this church is so wonderful, but the most important thing that we can do is be united. Because the Bible says, then they will know that you sent me. We've got to be united. We've got to be united. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's one of your points. Jesus prayed that believers would live in unity. 
He prayed that believers would live in unity. His last prayer to the Father, I'm going to read it again. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I think, I think part of the reason Jesus prayed about unity for believers is it because he knew that we would need some direction. He knew, he knew that relationships would sometimes be complicated. Come on, how do you know relationships sometimes can be complicated with a family member, with a with a child, with a friend, a coworker, with a spouse sometimes. Don't be elbowing anybody next to you. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm just trying to preach here. It's complicated sometimes. When you're dating, it's complicated sometimes. I remember, I remember when Makai and Kaylin started dating. When, he, when they just started dating, I said, Makai, are you, are you dating this young lady? He goes, well, we're talking. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he just shook his head because that's a term that I didn't, you know, Rochelle and I, we dated. We, we went out. We went together. But now they say we're talking. That first stage is we're talking. And I'm, I didn't know that. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> How many of you know people have opinions? We've hit on it some, and I'm not going to circle back too much, but I, I, want you to, uh, I want you to understand this. There are a lot of opinions in this room about masks. There's a lot of opinions in this room about the vaccine. There's a lot of opinions in this room about politics and just about every other subject that you can think of how you raise your kids, how strict you are with them, how free you are with them. The list goes on. There's been many times in ministry that I'm thinking because of so many opinions in the church, not just Destiny Church, in the church, there have been many times in ministry that I've said, oh Lord, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if this is going to (laughs) work. Because there's so many opinions on every subject that are floating around. I tell Pastor Chad all the time, I go, man, you are, you are so much more pastoral than I am. Because Pastor Chad always leads with grace. He always, he always leads with, with mercy. I'm not always gracious. It's just, it's, it's how I'm wired. I'm not, I haven't always been that way. But hey, he's not through with me yet, okay? <laughs> he's working on me. I'm getting there. I'm I'm growing. But every one of us could probably say, wherever you are in your walk with Christ, I could probably be more unified. There's some areas in my life that I could be more unified. I'm not there yet, Pastor Jason, but he's not through with me. I want you to look at what Paul says. He, uh, a letter to the church of Ephesus found in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's see what Paul says about the subject. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4 Paul says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble, gentle, and be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every 
effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Here's what I hear when I read this. Unity takes work. It takes work. It doesn't always come natural. In your notes, Jesus expects believers to work hard at unity. He expects believers to work hard at unity. If we're going to be united, if we're going to be unified, we have to, as Paul says, we've got to be humble, we've got to be gentle, and we have to be patient. We've got to be forgiving. We've got to be gracious. Sounds like, sounds like we're going to need some help from the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Come on. We've got to be gracious. Paul says, make every effort. I wouldn't say Paul expected perfection, but he definitely expects us to make every effort in his, according to his teaching. And can we say in our fight to stay unified as a body on all fronts, let me ask you a question. Are you making every effort? Are you doing your part? Let's make every effort. And I want to break down these three things that Paul says that contribute to, un to unity. First one, he talked about humble. Humility. We've got to be humble. Why is humility, and we're going to talk about a different, couple different things in here, but why is humility difficult for some and easy for others? When I think of humility, I think about one's performance or how they handle a compliment from others. That's not necessarily what the Bible's talking about, but when I, my mind goes to, you know, being humble. When I was a kid, when, I, when Rochelle and I first started dating, I was 14, she was 12, that's how long we, uh, we have been together. Um, but she always used to tell me, she goes, you are so cocky. <laughs> and I would say, I'm not cocky. I'm just confident. Come on. But she would tell me that. She would say, you're, you're just so cocky. This year in, in baseball, watching, watching Cole play, Cole, Cole had a, a decent season, a couple, you know, he had some good games this year. And I said, bud, you're probably, you're probably going to get interviewed a couple times, you know, Republic Tiger Sports. You're, you might get interviewed. Okay, make sure that you remain humble. Always, I would tell him all the time, pass the credit. That's what happens. You know, when you watch an interview on, you know, there's postseason baseball right now. When you watch an interview, they always, when they interview the player of the game, they're always humble. Have you ever noticed that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Cardinals fan, even though they got beat, and I don't want to talk about it, but I'm a Cardinals fan, so I'll give you an example. If they were to interview Paul Goldschmidt, they might say something after the game like, uh, Goldschmidt, you, you, you were four for four tonight. You hit a home run and two doubles. You drove in six runs in, in one game. Man, you must, have been, you must have really seen the ball well tonight. You'll never hear him say something like, yeah, I am pretty good, aren't I? You know, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. Man, these guys better get it together because uh, I can't keep carrying us all year. You know, you'll never hear them say something like that. 
They, they might say, yeah, I, I did see the ball well tonight, but man, our bullpen, they kept us in that game. Or they'll, they'll pass the credit. That's what I think of when I hear humility. That's what I think of when I talk about living, living with humility. But being humble is far beyond compliments or bragging. How do you know if you're humble or not? Ask yourself a couple questions. Do you receive correction gracefully and patiently? How do you receive constructive criticism? Do you honor authority in your life even when you believe that your way is better? What does your checkbook say about your humility? You see, I think to live with humility is so much deeper. It's not I'm the best at this, I'm the best at that. To be humble is to consider the needs of others more often than your own. You see, the world says, you better get yours. But the word says, if you'll get others, I'll take care of you. Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together. There's that whole unity idea. Working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish don't try to impress others. That's a big one. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. we got to stay humble. Paul also mentions in our verse in Ephesians, we got to be gentle. we got to be humble. But number two, we have to be gentle. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 4 and 5, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will again, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I want to get rid of this myth today that gentleness is only related to a physical action. Gentleness is an approach. Gentleness is a posture of our heart. Gentleness is an attitude. I, I want to I say this. Gentleness is not synonymous with weakness. All right? Guys, listen to me. Gentleness does not mean that you're weak. In fact, I would, I would, I would argue the opposite, that intentional gentleness takes true strength. It takes strength. It takes self-control. I, I don't... I don't need to help you understand what it is to be gentle. I think we understand that. But if we are going to be a unified church, if we are going to remain united, we have to be gentle with each other. We have to allow for each other's shortcomings from time to time. I think, I think the church, when I say the church, I'm not saying destiny church. I'm saying I think the church has attacked and beat up its own long enough. If this is going to be a hospital for the sick, a hospital for the sick that does not, when I say that, that doesn't know Jesus, the lost, 
we got to be gentle with each other. Jesus was gentle. He wasn't a pushover, but Jesus led with gentleness. If we're judgmental, if we're gossiping, if we're intimidating, we're always going to struggle being united. But there's just something about gentleness that's, that's going to nurture uh, an environment and an atmosphere where people can find Jesus and be vulnerable. And my hope is that every time that you walk through these doors right here, every single time that you feel a gentleness, that you feel a joyful atmosphere, my prayer is that whatever you are carrying from the week, that you can lay it down. Every time you walk through these doors, you can lay it down, you can breathe it out, and that you can experience God's presence in a way that's refreshing. As confusing and as chaotic as the world is right now, as divided as our world is right now, the church needs to be a hospital for that. The church needs to be easy. It needs to be light. It doesn't need to be heavy like it is in the world. It doesn't need 100%. It doesn't need to be divided. So if we're going to grow in unity as the body of Christ, we got to be humble, we got to be gentle. And number three, we got to be patient, Paul says. We got to be patient. Come on, isn't that the truth? We got to be patient. There's a reason that the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, which is known, you've heard it at every wedding, it's known as the, the love chapter. The very first thing Paul says love is patient, it's kind. Proverbs 15, verse 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one who is patient calms a quarrel. My flesh, who I am before Jesus, is probably a little quick-tempered. Maybe you're that way too. But the spirit that lives in me has, is teaching me patience and gentleness. James tells us to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, and to be slow to, anybody, to get angry. That's tough for some of us. We have to realize that patience fosters unity. The Spirit is patient. And if we want a greater assurance that we're being led by the Spirit from what we learned in our last series, being led by the Holy Spirit, patience is essential. Unity takes patience. And here's the deal. If we're going to be able to do what Ephesians, what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians 4, for, we're going to have to make allowances for each other's faults. It's going to take humility. It's going to take gentleness. It's going to take patience. If we're going to be a unified body, we have to yield to the Spirit of God, which is going to produce that Christ-like attitude in our heart. If we're going to reach the lost, if we're going to live out the Great Commission, folks, we've got to come together. We've got to come together. Because if we don't, 
the way Jesus is saying it, the way I hear it, if we're not unified, they're not going to know that God sent him. They won't know. You see, the devil doesn't want us to be unified. If he can get us to bicker and complain and fuss and fight over this and fight over that and argue about this topic and argue about that hot topic of what's happening in our world, if he can get us to join in with all of that junk that's happening in the world right now, he's just sitting back and be like, man, I don't, I don't really have to do anything. They're dividing themselves. Nothing else I need to do. But here's why I know Jesus so badly desires for the body to be unified. And this is the last point in your notes. Jesus died to unite, not to divide us. He died so we'd be united. Read one more verse to you in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility, separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. In other words, the cross supersedes all of that. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. That's powerful. And our hostility toward each other, listen, was put to death. Our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near him. Even those who were near God, he brought together because of the cross, he brought together and unified them. Jesus' heart for all of humanity is not to only reconcile his creation back to himself, but also that we would reconcile with each other. That's powerful. All people, different backgrounds, different races, different social classes. He wants us all to be united together. Jesus says, when we become united, when we lead with humility, when we lead with, with gentleness, when we lead uh, um, um, with patience, Jesus says, when you do that and you become united, he says, then, then they will know that you sent me. Then they will know that you, God, loves them just as much as you love me. How powerful is that? Folks, being united is the key. In fact, nothing else really matters unless we're united. If we're divided, I mean, you've seen it. You've seen it in our world. We, we, don't, we don't function well when we're divided. My challenge to you for this series is that you would search your heart. 
Are you staying united? Are you getting caught up in all the junk that happens in the world? Search your heart today. I want to challenge you. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.